Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. As we know, God has a judicial mind. He has a judicial system. God works that way. With that judicial mind, God puts his word in writing, and you can believe everything he says. The enemy, he lies, and he puts nothing in writing. But God put his word in writing, and he gave us that document, a judicial mind, legalities, what's right and what's wrong. An open case means there is still an active investigation that is a part of an officer's caseload, an open case. An open case means it's not settled yet. An open case means there's still an investigation. And we all believe that we should have our day in court and we should have a right to stand up and speak our case case. There are situations in this room right now, I know, and those watching online, where you feel like you're boxed in and you have no way out. You have reached a dead end and you have no options. And at moments you feel hopeless and frustrated, boxed in, dead in, hopeless. Holy Spirit began to deal with me this week. And I believe he sent me here today to tell you this, that your situation, where you feel boxed in or a dead end street, where you feel hopeless, whatever it is, whatever it is, spiritual, physical, financial, whatever it is, perhaps a legal matter, perhaps a situation on your job, and your family, whatever it is, whatever your case may be, God wanted me to tell you, it's still an open case. It ain't over yet. The enemy will try to box you in. He'll tell you, you've reached a dead end. You have no options. And he'll tell you it's all over with. But God wanted me to tell you, it's still an open case. And you have to know this. That God has the last word. And his word will stand. God has the last word in any situation. If you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you go with me to the gospel of Luke chapter 7. And let's pick up verses 11 through 17. I'm going to go through this story and do what we call expository preaching, where I break it down verse by verse, and I pull out some truths that I believe are applicable to you and I today, especially for those of you on campus and online that you're in a situation and the enemy has told you you've reached a dead end, but God says it ain't over yet. Luke chapter 7, verse 11, now it happened the day after, say the day after, that he, Jesus, went into a city called Nan, and many of his disciples went with him, notice that, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, say gate, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the, the only son, the only son, the only son 
of his mother, and she was a widow woman. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. Say, open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all of Judea and all the surrounding region. Let's title this, The Last Word. Father, bless the reading of your word. Speak to your people today in Christ's name. We pray, and everybody said amen. amen. The day after. You have to pay attention in the scriptures whenever there's a therefore or whenever you see something like this where it says now it happened the day after. You have to always pay attention to that because to fully understand or to get the full impact of what's being written, you have to back up and find out what happened the day before. So you have to keep everything within context. You got to pay attention to scriptures and transitions in the scriptures. It said the day after the day after it happened. You have to back up in chapter 7 and look at verses 1 through 10 and see where Jesus healed a centurion's servant. A centurion's servant. Now, you remember the story. He said, you know, come to my house. My servant is sick. But I tell you what, you don't even have to come. Just release the word and he'll be healed. They came to Jesus and said, you really ought to help this guy. This was a centurion. He was a man of position, a military officer. He was a man of influence because he actually sent the Jewish elders. So he sent people of, of prominence to speak to Jesus. So he sent, he didn't send a servant, he sent the Jewish elders. And number three, he was a man of wealth. Because they said, hey, Jesus, this centurion, this military officer, his servant is sick. You really ought to come and, and help him because he built us a synagogue. The guy built a church. And if you're watching online and you're a man of wealth and you'd like to build me a church, I want you to feel free just to call me and uh, we'll set that up and uh, we'll get this done. But he was a man of wealth, Amen. He was a man of authority because he said, hey, Jesus, look, I'm a man that's under authority. I'm a man that's over authority. I get this. You just say the word and it's a done deal. You don't have to come to my house. And then he was a man of great faith. Now, this is the one that's really intimidating because Jesus said, wow. The Bible says he was amazed. He said, I haven't seen this great of faith in all of Israel. Now, let me tell you something. That's pretty impressive. When Jesus, the Son of God, it, it, he marvels at you and he says, no one else in Israel has as great of a faith as this guy. That's pretty impressive. Now, come on. That's worthy uh, of noting, highlighting in your Bible. That Jesus took note of this guy and said, man, this guy's impressive. So I just, I want you to see what, what, what's happening here. I, I want you to see this story. Now, it happened in Nan. The day after. What happened the day before? Jesus is in Capernaum. They, the Jewish elders come to him and say, hey, there's this military officer that built us a synagogue. 
that is a man of authority. He has a servant that, that is sick. Why don't you come and, 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 and perform a miracle? This guy is worthy. And, and the guy says, look, you don't have to come. Just say the word. And Jesus is, he is astonished at this guy. He marvels at him in verse 9. He marvels and said, I have not found such great faith, uh, not even in Israel. He, he was amazed at this guy. Wow. Impressive. This guy was impressive. He impressed God. And it takes a lot to impress God. But this guy was able to do this. But here Jesus is in Nan. And in Nan, we have a totally different story. It's on the other end of the spectrum. On this end is this great military officer, great influence, great wealth, great faith that impresses God. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the day after, is a widow woman who's trying to bury her only son. Two different stories. What do you do when what happens to you happens after this? What do you do? What do you do as a person when what happens to you happens after a story like the centurion servant? What do you do with that? I mean, what is a little widow woman that's insignificant that now loses her only source of income, what does she do when what happens to her happens after that? Very intimidating. Very intimidating. What do you do after this? But I believe that God was very careful to include the story of Nan. He wanted us to see these opposing stories. A man of great wealth and influence and authority, a man of great faith, and a little widow woman that's lost her only son, that's brokenhearted, that's weeping, that's not demonstrating great faith. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. And he said to her, Mama, don't weep anymore. Two totally different stories. But God was so kind to include the story of man. Because the story of this interior servant is intimidating. So often we look at great leaders, great men and women of faith, pastors and evangelists and prophets and, and missionaries and, and deacons and elders and prominent people in our community. And we see when God's moving in their life and we're, we, we see that is so many times it's intimidating and, and the commoner feels left out. And what do you do when what happens to you happens after that? What does the prostitute do? The drug addict, the drunkard. What does the commoner do? What does the average just Joe Blow of Southeast Texas, what does he do when his world is falling apart and it's happening after that? What do you do? Well, let me tell you what God does. And verse 11, it said, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nan and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. That's what God does. He goes to Nan. Now you have to understand, setting the stage, you have to understand Nan. 
Now, Nan, the city, the village of Nan, first of all, the word Nan in the Greek means a green pasture. It means beauty, a place of beauty, okay? Number two, you have to know that Nan is 25 miles from Capernaum where Jesus just healed the centurion's servant. And you have to know that the gate of the city is where authority sets and decisions are made. So you have this setting now. We're, we're in a village that's known for its beauty, its green pastures. And, and here's where our story begins to unfold. Now, this is a widow woman. That means her husband's dead. This is her only son. And now she's lost him. And that's a problem. Because during this time in this culture, a woman depended upon her husband or her sons to provide for her. And without a husband and a son, there's a good chance this woman's going to be homeless. So as she's walking out of this village, a place of beauty and green pastures, a place where perhaps she was looking at retirement and trying to enjoy her, her, her twilight years, and she has this son. And if you study this, the theologians do not believe that this was a real young lad. This was a guy that was older in his years, maybe in his 40s. And, and so this woman is really in her retirement time, and, and her son's taking care of her. But suddenly, in a place of green pastures and beauty, everything is falling apart. Everything is coming unraveled. The wheels are coming off. And she is coming through the gate of the city where the elders are and decisions are made and there's authority. And, and this is where, this is a point of transition. This is the gate of the city. This is an important place. And here comes Jesus. But you have to, you have to understand this, this journey though. The, the, Jesus has left Capernaum 25 miles from uh, 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 to, to Nan. He's, he's traveled 25 miles and a very large crowd of disciples are with him. And, and I know that these guys are wondering, why are we doing this? So you have to understand that this isn't just the 12. We'll say this was the 70 that, that followed with him and then a larger crowd beyond that. But you have to see this story. Let it, let it unfold in your mind. Jesus is in Capernaum. And he's just dealt with this centurion, military officer, great influence, great wealth, great authority, great faith. And he heals the servant. And then suddenly there's that sense of destiny. And he realizes, I have to get to Nan. I have to get there. And so he travels 25 miles. But you have to understand that during this time, what they averaged in a day's journey was 20 miles. So here he goes. Jesus begins to leave Capernaum and he travels all night long. And his 70 and his 12 and this large crowd, they're following him and they're saying, why is he driven to get to this village? He's pushing them through the night. They're traveling and they're traveling hard. He is traveling in a very difficult time in a very difficult place to get to a village called Nan. A village that most people would never think of going to. It's a little small village and insignificant with a widow woman that's insignificant with a son that's died that's insignificant. Why are we oppressed to make it to this funeral service? And yet Jesus presses through the night. And this is what I want you to see. Jesus presses through the night to reach the gate of the city exactly at the moment when this woman is coming through the gate with her son. What do you do when what happens to you happens after that? What do you do when you see everyone else 
around you, people of prominence, people of influence, people of authority, people of leadership, people that, that are important within the community. You see God helping them, but what do you do when what happens to you happens after that? Insignificant, your life, for the most part, no one ever notices. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what God does. God walks all night long to get to you. That's what God does. All night long. The disciples were saying, what's wrong with him? All night long. The disciples were saying, can we pause for, for, for dinner? All night long. The disciples said, Master, we're so tired. Can we pause? All night long. I can see Jesus in my mind. He's, he's walking down the, the dusty road. He's going over the hills. He's pushing through. He's fighting. He's fighting off fatigue. And he's fighting off weariness. And he's, he's trying to fight off the 12 and the 70. And the people saying, what's wrong with him? Why is he pushing so hard? Why is he driven? Why is he so passionate? What is it he's trying to do? Where is he going? Why What's so important that he has to drive us through the night to reach this place? It's because God would walk all night long to reach you. Today's questions. Nan, what do you do when your green pastures turn into a barren wasteland? 25 miles? What do you do when God seems too far away to reach you? Too far away. She's in Nan. He's in Capernaum. Capernaum is 25 miles away. The average uh, uh, daily travel for, at that time was 20 miles. That's a good day. What do you do when, when God seems too far away? What do you do when it feels like God helps the man of influence, the man of authority, the man of wealth, the man of great faith? Men of great faith. What do you do when, when you, you, you see God doing all of that and yet for you, God seems too far away? Like the widow woman, what do you do when you come to a dead end street? Dead end. My husband's dead. My son's dead. I'm a widow woman. I have no way to provide for myself. She's carrying her son and a coffin to the graveyard. And with him goes her dreams, her security, her livelihood, her hope, and her future. She's going to bury it all. What do you do when what happens this way happens to you? What do you do? When everything seems to be falling apart. When everything seems to come to a dead end. When everything says to you, you have no options. When you get furloughed, you get laid off. Everything, your business is shutting down. What do you do when what happens, happens to you? What do you do? I want you to see what's unfolding here in front of us. Jesus has been fighting all night long to get from Capernaum to Nan. Jesus has been pressing all night, pushing his disciples, pushing the crowd. We gotta get there, we gotta get there. He's tired, he's weary. And he comes up with this great procession of life. Comes up over the hilltop, coming down just to the gate of the city as a procession of death is coming out. Think about that. A procession of death, and a procession of life that's fixing to have an encounter. Think about that. 
First of all, Jesus left the presence of greatness. A guy that amazed him, he said, wow, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. He left the presence of greatness to make an an appointment with insignificance. I'm trying to help you understand the God you serve. He left the presence of greatness to walk all night long to get into the presence of insignificance. Number two, Jesus pushed hard all night to reach the place of decision on time. On time, the gate of the city. The elders are watching her walk by with her son and thinking, poor Mary Sue, she's done. She'll be homeless within a month. People are talking about her. What what happened to her son to die at such a young age? Her husband died and now this. What did she do to bring this on herself? See, that's the way people talked back then. You remember they asked Jesus once about a a young man that was sick and they said, did he do this or his parents do do this? Why did this happen? Jesus said, neither it happened to bring glory to God. But here she comes to the gate of the city and people are making decisions about her at the gate of the city. Her husband died, her son died. What did she do? What did she do to bring this on herself? What did she do to cause death to visit her doorstep? What happened? What did she do? What did her husband do? People will make decisions about you based on the circumstances you're in. What happened? Why did it happen? What did you do? Why why are you the way you are? People do that. And people have a tendency to define you by where you've been instead of where you're going. They do that. Decisions. But Jesus wanted to get there. He fought all night long to to crest the hill right as she was coming through that place of decision. People are deciding her fate. People are judging her. She's trying to figure out what am I going to do. And suddenly over the hilltop, here comes another procession. But instead of procession of death, it's a procession of life. And Jesus is coming with the last word in her case. Her case is not over yet. It's not a closed case. enemy will say it's done I know people will say you're done I know people will say it's over but I'm telling you God has the last word number three Jesus walked all night to make his first now I want you to say first first raising of the dead a mercy miracle this was the first Raising of the dead that Jesus performed and he chose a widow woman in Nan so that thousands of years later you and I would still be talking about her yeah he chose could have let the centurion servant die and then raise him from the dead but Jesus said no God said no son no 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 I, I no heal that boy but I need you to make your way to Nan Because I want to make it very clear to everyone who follows that you don't have to be a centurion, a man of great authority, a man of leadership, a man of great influence, a man of great wealth, and a man of great faith. You can't be a little insignificant widow woman from Nan. And God does perform what we call mercy miracles. 
because there are people on the campus and watching online that says, I don't deserve this. I know you don't. It's called a mercy miracle. You say, but I'm insignificant. I, I have no influence. I have no authority. I have no wealth. I have no great faith. And that's okay because the Bible says he does mercy miracles. If you have grace, uh, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, never be surprised of the great things God can do with just little things. The faith as a grain of a mustard seed, just little things. Jesus shows up. In this moment, Luke 7, 4 said, And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Centurion servant. He was deserving. But then you drop down to verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. She wasn't what you would call deserving. One was deserving. The other one required compassion. That word compassion in the Greek, as you know, it means to reach in to the organs, the internal organs of a sacrifice and pull it out and consume it. So what it means is to have empathy. It means to feel for someone. Not to have sympathy where you feel sorry for them, but to have empathy where you feel with them. And that's where real ministry takes place. Perhaps Jesus understood because perhaps Mary had lost Joseph because we lose sight of Joseph. Maybe Joseph died, okay, at an early age, left Mary to raise Jesus. And so now he looks at this little widow woman and he sees his own mother. He fell for her. He fell for her. Maybe he realized, maybe he, he knew that one day his mother would stand weeping as she had to bury her son. And Jesus felt for her empathy. He said, mama, don't weep anymore. And he had, he was moved with compassion. I just, I wanted to raise these questions in all our minds. Raise these questions. I wanted to take you and to drop you right in the middle of this story. Put you right in the middle of it. Because what happened to her happens to you and me. But I want to give you some answers. I want you to know that if you are insignificant, if you feel that way, not that you are, but you feel that way, this story is for you. If you are at a place of decision, you feel like quitting, you feel like giving up, you feel like stopping, you're at the gate of the city, you're at a point of transition, you're there, you're tired of being judged, and you're tired of being losing, and you're tired of, of things happening, and you feel like you're at that point of quitting, this story is for you. If you need a mercy miracle and you say, Pastor, I get it. When you tell your stories, Pastor, of how that God visits you and he talks to you and you hear things and see things and have dreams and, and God shows you things and, and God moves in your life and he performs miracles and I see it in so many people's lives. And, but I, I don't seem to have all that. If that's you, then this story is for you. Because the widow woman of man reminds us that God does mercy miracles for people that we would say are insignificant. God walked all night 
to find you at the right place, which is this church, at the right time. And I know this is the right place because Jacob and Genesis 28 said, this is the church, the gate of heaven. This is where decisions are made. That's why church is so important because that's where decisions are made. That's why church is so important because this is the gate of heaven where we can have divine access to eternity. That's why you need to come to church either on campus or online because this is the place where everything changes. This is the place where a procession of life can encounter a procession of death and things begin to shake and things begin to change. That's why. God walked all night. He pushed on me for days to get to this place at this time to deliver this word to you right now. Many of you on campus, online, or at a place of decision. I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. I feel like God doesn't care. People don't understand me. People don't care about me. I'm done. And you're there. And I'm telling you, you're right where you need to be, right when you need to be here. Because God set you up for a mercy miracle. I want you to know that it's not over. I know it's not because of verse 14, something I'd just never seen before. It says, then he, Jesus, came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise, an open coffin. Your case is not closed yet. But you don't understand, Jesus, my son's dead. It's okay. It's still an open coffin. It's still an open case. All the investigation hasn't been done yet. The final decision hasn't been made. And God has the last word. God has the last word. So number one, let me ask you this. What has you, like this young lad, boxed in? Physically? An addiction? Sickness? Emotional? Anger? Depression? Mental? Regrets? People's opinions? Spiritual, offense and hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness. What has you boxed in? What has you boxed in and keeps you restricted and limited? Keeps your range of motion limited because you're boxed in. You're boxed in because of past failures, past regrets, people's opinions, people's ideals. What has you boxed in? What's boxing you in right now? What's limiting your range of motion? What keeps you from living your life to its fullness. What is it? What's holding you back? I want you to know God understands. Because in 1 Chronicles 15, it said all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant with shouts and trumpets and cymbals and playing lyres and harps. You see, they were bringing the Ark back to Jerusalem. What they were doing was bringing God back. But as you know, because Israel was afraid of God, because Israel didn't understand God, because Israel felt like they couldn't handle him, they put him in a box. Because they could carry him now and they could control him. They could limit him and restrict him. God in a box. So God understands what it's like to be boxed in. God understands what it's like to be carried around in a coffin. 
what religion does. Religion will box you in and it will box God in. Religion will do that. And so here she comes with her box and she's got her son, her hope, her future, her livelihood, her dreams, her retirement, and green pastures and man. She's got it all in the box. God understands the limitations that the enemy will place on you. How he would try to control your life with an addiction, bitterness, unforgiveness, people's opinions, fear of man, past regrets, past failures. He, he, the enemy will try to box you in and keep you. He'll box you in and keep you from being the person that God has called you to be. What's boxed you in? Number two, God says that your coffin is still open. It's still an open case. It's still an open case. I want you to notice in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 21, this is the last scripture of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So everything before that, all the way back to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, from there till there, it's all sandwiched in. It all ends up with one word, and the word is amen. And the word amen there in the Greek means at the beginning of a discourse, it can be surely, truth, truly, but at the end of it, it means so be it. So God gets all the way down, last book, last chapter, last verse, last word. He looks back and he says to everything that he promised you and me, everything that he said, everything that he with his judicial mind put in writing, God looked back and said, so be it. So be it. So be it. The last word belongs to God and his word will stand so when the enemy comes and he boxes you in and he says it's over you hold on because God has the last word and his word will stand and that word is so be it so be it God walked all night to find you at this place at this time. Stephen, come help me. All night. All night long. Some of you on the campus and online, you feel like you're boxed in and you're limited and you're restricted and you're being held back and things have got you crippled. And the enemy says it's over. Your future is over. Your livelihood, your only source of support is over. And God says, hold on. Hold on. The night before had to be a very long night for this widow woman. Can you imagine what it was like as she's contemplating the death of her only son? Can you imagine what the enemy came and told her? You've lost your only source of support. The other 
villagers. They don't really care about you. Nobody's going to come to your aid and you'll be homeless in 30 days. You'll be reduced to begging or to worse. You'll go from hand to mouth daily just trying to survive, if you survive at all. Can you imagine how long the night was? Not only is she grieving over the loss of her son, but this has resurrected in her all the past emotions of her, of her husband that passed away. So now she's got this double whammy here of grieving over her husband and her son. And on top of that, she's fighting the fear of being alone without any source of support. Can you imagine some of you have had some long nights here lately. Worried about losing your job, losing your business, getting the COVID-19. What's going to happen? How's this going to turn out? Some of you have been through some long nights. Long nights. It's been tough. People, long nights. Bad report from the doctor. You received the divorce papers through the mail. Long night kid on drugs, son or daughter in jail, long night. Looking at what's unfolding across the nation, looking at the pandemic and the rioting in our streets and the stock market up and down, the presidential election, and so much has become too much and people are having some long nights. It's tough. But when you're in that long night, if you don't remember anything else I see, said here today, I want you to remember this. While you are going through a long night, God is walking all night to get to you. All night. I can see Jesus all night. Palestine. It's a rocky place. This isn't a, a gentle stroll through a green pasture. It's hot, it's dusty, it's rocky, it's harsh. It's hard traveling. Through the nights, they didn't have street lights. So through the night he walks. Perhaps at times he stumbles and falls and he skins his knee. Perhaps his feet become blistered from wearing those sandals and walking all night. They didn't have Nikes back then. So he's walking all night with these sandals. He's hot, he's dusty, he's hungry, he's tired. His knees, his shins are bleeding, his feet are blistered, and he's walking all night. And this little widow woman in Nan, going through her nightmare, going through her long night, she don't even know that, but God's walking all night. She's going through a nightmare all alone, weeping and grieving over her son, but God is walking all night. She's trying to figure out, how am I going to make it? What am I going to do? And the enemy comes in in the night season. That's when demons come out. And they're tormenting her saying, your life is over. Your future is done. You'll be homeless in 30 days. It's done. And she don't know, but all night long, God is fighting to get to her. Fighting. So you feel boxed in. You feel like you've reached a dead end. And you feel hopeless. 
In verse 14, it says, he touched the open coffin. Today, Jesus will touch what has you boxed in. And when he does, time will stand still. Because it says he touched the open coffin and those that carried him stood still. And he says, son, get up. Today, God wants to touch what has you boxed in. Time will stand still and everything starts new. Everything. Put 14 back up, guys, if you would. Verse 14. He wants to touch what has you boxed in. Time will stand still and everything starts new. Today could be a new beginning for you because you're at the gate of the city. You're at the gate of heaven. You're in the church and this is where decisions are made. This is where things happen. God sent me here today to tell you I know you feel boxed in. I know you feel like you're at a dead end street. I know you feel like it's over. But he's been walking all night fighting to get to you. And your case is not closed. God has the last word. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.